Welcome to The Challengers. This is episode 10. I'm your host, Zach Miller from Tearsheet, and with, with me is Josh Liggett from Our Crowd. Say hi, Josh. What's up, Zach? Number 10. I feel like it's, a, uh, it's an achievement. It's an achievement. Oh, bo- oh, the only thing I could wish more was if I was born in Canada and all my credit card get- debt was forgiven. And of course, um, Josh, Josh is alluding to uh, some news this week. Yeah. But yeah, we could get there. But I mean, just let's bask in the fact that we're in double digits. I think that's a pretty, you know, we, that's a pretty nice Vandy metric, uh, you know, for, for, uh, for numbers. And I would love, you know, really happy that we got to do uh, hit number 10 and uh, especially loving, you know, the responses that we're getting from, from people. Really, really grateful to everyone out listening there. And, you know, for you for tolerating my madness. Which <laughs> There's definitely some today. survival bias at work here, right? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but yes, episode 10, um, and we're smack dab in the middle of summer. We do have a lot of news to cover. We'll, we'll move quickly through some of the stories today. Before we continue with our program, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MX, for supporting Tearsheet's work. MX is the leading data platform for banks, credit unions, and fintechs, enabling its clients and partners to easily collect, enhance, analyze, present, and act on financial data. Um, I think first up, we wanted to talk about Judo, um, which is a challenger bank uh, down under, uh, did a big equity raise this week, raised $400 million. Um, it's like all of a sudden, over the past two years, Australia came on the map, not just in terms of fintech, but uh, in terms of challenger banking. We have, a, we have a few different competitors down there, and obviously $400 million is bigger than 10. Um, it's a big number. Yeah, that's a, that's a big number, and it's interesting because it's Australia, you know, like being in you know, America or Europe, you know, that's all the focus gets there. N26, you know, doing what they're doing. And even, you know, some of the B2B uh, challengers, which we've spoken about before, which what Judo is doing, um, you know, that's something that gets a lot of attention. So it's really cool to see uh, Australian, you know, businesses getting service of the Challenger Bank as well. Yeah. And it seems like it's growing relatively quickly. I think they launched earlier last year. It looks like they're on pace to lend. Again, as, as you mentioned, Josh, it's a, it's a commercial bank. It, it works with businesses. It's on pace to lend about a billion dollars, I think, by the end of this year. A um, couple other nuances that, that we were talking about in, in sort of a warm-up to the show was, um, you know, this, this, this company isn't founded by, you know, 20-somethings who just decided that they wanted to disrupt banking. Um, these are, uh, in the article... Uh, they're in their 50s. <laughs> yeah, they're in their 50s, and, and they, they were quoted as saying, we're not spring chickens. So I thought that would be the theme of, of, of judo the not spring chicken um, company. So they are in their fifties and they're previously were executives at uh, NAB, which is you know, one of the top three banks in Australia. Um, this is different. So these are, these are industry guys that said, Hey, we, we see this trend happening around the world. We think Australia is ripe for it. Um, we'll start something and uh, looks like it's working. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think the interesting thing about it is, that the way that they're going about it and if you go on their website and if you you know i've because i don't live in australia nor do i have a business in australia i've not been able to use the product but at least um, looking at the website yeah very disappointing i know i should i should (laughs) do that um and see if i get a loan which would be very interesting you know case that we should do a case study zach where we just try to get loans just get loans from everybody in the world Every no from all these like fintech banking you know SMBs and see how good their data is Um, right like like a like a, I don't know, like a to catch a predator sort of situation. <laughs> I can see a whole so, series on that. That'll be episode eleven. Um, yeah, exactly, because it's a very relevant. It's a very, it's a hot topic that everyone really wants to hear about. Uh, but in all seriousness, it, it, what they claim to be doing is providing a tremendous amount of service. 
which is interesting because if you look at the way that Challenger hey, that's banks- That's a thing on most of the, the, the Challengers, right? The lack it, of service. Yeah, exactly. Most Challenger banks are just like, here's a bank self-serve like buffet, you know, sal- pick a salad, you know, like someone's Hopefully just- Hopefully don't choke. Yeah, you have someone behind the counter just staring at you, making sure you don't <laughs> screw up. You know, that's sort of like the way that like move, keep moving, keep moving, you know, yeah. buffet style versus this is like, it seems to have, you know, what they claim at least is that this is a lot of, you know, it's, it's relationship based business, which I know that a lot of, you know, traditional uh, businessmen have been, it's something they valued a lot. I think that sort of has to do with the fact that these are, you know, baby boomer founders, uh, you know, to be honest. And, mm-hmm. and it's something that's really interesting. And, and uh, it, it, I'd love to see metrics in terms of the age of their, of their users. And if they're mm-hmm. small businesses, like early, late, people value different things, um, which would be really interesting to see. But it's, I think it's a really cool approach to, you know, getting to lending. It's also, if you look at like the cabbages, the fun boxes and the blue vines, like, again, these are all companies that it's a machine. Mm-hmm. And they're claiming to provide a little bit more of a uh, of a servant, like you know, a hand hand holding service. And the other interesting is that I, I would assume that they're they call themselves a challenger bank, but really they're doing a lot of small business lending. So it's and there's the they are offering additional services, you know, on top of just the, the lending and all that. But you know, will Funbox, will Bluevine, will Cabbage, and these companies, uh, you know, all these other large, you know, fintech that do B2B, will they also perhaps go in that route work to get a full banking license? I'm not really sure, but it's just an interesting factoid as a part of it as well. Interesting. I, I think we should make a mental note to come back to Judo at a later episode to maybe dig into some of those, um, some of those metrics that you thought would be interesting there. On, on the other end of the spectrum, we have Joust, which is a company we've spoken about a couple times on the show, um, also raised uh, some money. They didn't raise $400 million. They raised a little bit over two and a half. Um, Joust again is, as if you're not familiar, uh, we spoke about on the show previously, but it's, it's a business bank for, um, solopreneurs. Um, so, you know, sort of somebody who needs some, some payments and needs a, a bank account, a debit card to be able to spend off of Joust is like sort of focused on that niche of providing services into the sort of the, the, the one person band, um, the one person show who's a, a business person uh, with unique needs. So I, I think that's also an ongoing theme, Josh, right? Like this idea of these niche um, banking providers, like I, I don't know if they, how big some of these guys will get, but um, we're definitely seeing sort of like really niche uh, focused um, banking products and banking services. Yeah, I think that's that's in line with what we've been speaking about the last couple episodes, you know, about uh, you know, which I don't want to even beat a dead horse so much. We, you know, we've spoken about, you know, these niche players coming in. Um, you know, it's the freelance world is something that I've been tracking personally, you know, with my, you know, with, with my work at our crowd, you know, something mm-hmm. we, we made investment in HoneyBook, which is a company helping out freelancers, which is, you know, this is a huge market and it's, it's a trend that's growing in that direction. If you look at any stats, um, you know, it's, it, and HoneyBook does provide, like they provide a, basically back office for freelancers. So it's this something we're looking at like crazy. And fr- I think freelancers are incredibly underserved, uh, you know, and they, they just need, their needs are very different than, than uh, other companies and other individuals. So it's really cool to, to have banks and fintechs focusing on that as well. And it definitely plugs into the whole niche model of, of fintech. And that as the tech, te- technological barriers are dropping, you know, and the regulatory barriers just because you can do thinking as a service or there's just you know, an easier ability to build these fintechs. Uh, it's definitely helping the niche players as well, uh, for sure. 
I think one of the things we'll have to look at in the future is if these niche players, um, you know, based on maybe pressure from their investors, expand beyond sort of their original mandates and, and expand into like the rebundling and, and start to look like everybody else. Um, uh, I think one of the, one of the, the, I guess the dark underbelly of like a lot of the banking as a service stuff is everybody's using the same tools. Like eventually a lot of banking products will still look the same feature wise. Um, so these niche players that have figured out like there's a specific pain point, a specific industry or a specific user, I think it will be interesting to see longer term if they can stay focused on, on servicing that person, if there's a big enough business there. Yeah. I would assume that that's going to happen. You're going to have companies start either buying or partnering or coming together it, it just has to happen at a certain point or else you're just going to have an incredibly fragmented market. Um, just like what you're saying. And I, and it'll be interesting how it shakes out from the investor side with all these, you know, huge fintechs raising tons of money and, and right. having well, fragmented large cookie cutter. I mean, that's the, that's what's we're talking Both. about. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. But like the same yeah. pipes, but different, yeah. you know, it's like, a, it's a little it's bit like different. A, yeah, it's like, uh, you want to hear this metaphor, it's like aspen trees that like share like a common root mm. system. Like that's a good one. Um, where these trees are like, you know, 100, 200 couple, whatever, far away they are from each other, but they're the really one organism. All, it's, yeah, it's one organism, one organism. So I want to invest in the under, uh, the you know, I want to invest in the root system. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, which is what something, again, we've been talking about a lot. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, I, we're as crazy as it sounds, as it's weird when you're talking about, you know, people raising hundreds of millions of dollars to say we're still early. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think we're still early in this whole, you know, area of FinTech with providing, uh, you know, very specific services to niche players. Customer expectations have changed. People are looking to their financial institutions to provide them with experiences that fit their lifestyles. That doesn't mean just dumping data on them. It means providing proactive, personalized, and predictive advice. That's where Money App with Pulse comes in. Developed by MX, the personal finance manager makes it possible to engage customers on every level, from professional budgeters to people who try to avoid personal finance entirely. This can lead to a 60% increase in logins and a 28% increase in NPS. See the MX platform in action. Ask for a demo at MX, that's the letters M and X, dot com. Yeah, and so um, another, another so we had a couple launches this week um, since, since our last episode. Obviously, we had Apple Card, and I think we've spoken about that on, on, on previous episodes. I don't think we're going to do a whole lot. Did we? Did yeah. I speak about that? I think Apple's I... coming out with a credit card. <laughs> Goldman's involved somehow. Um, well, what's interesting is the news that came out this week, at least on Apple Card, was, um, and I guess we expected this from the beginning, but it was clear from the beginning that Apple expected its banking partner to approve most of the uh, applications, right? These are iPhone users. Apple wants to make this card widely available to everybody. Um, so Goldman is approving um, subprime customers at this point. Um, I don't know how that will play out longer term, but I think, I think that's pretty interesting um, from, a, from a product point of view. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. We'll see. It's it's gonna be interesting how it shakes out with this whole thing. You know how much I don't. I if I get started, I'm gonna. It's gonna be bad. So, <laughs> um, another launch this week. We had zero card or last week, um, or since the last episode, I should be more specific. Zero card um, was up in waiting list for for a few months. Um, he, one of the challenges we found, like millennials, typically hold debit cards and like using debit cards and don't don't typically like uh, credit cards. Um, but the problem with debit cards is you don't normally accrue um, loyalty points or cash back. Um, so Zero has a, uh, I would say, a novel way of being able to solve for that. So essentially, when you apply for the card, uh, you get both a checking account um, and a credit account. 
uh, you put money into a checking account, that is essentially acts as the roof on your spending. Um, and then you use the credit card to be able to spend and immediately the money from your checking account goes to cover your spending. So you're not actually going into debt really, or maybe going to debt, just, you know, for a few seconds. Um, and you start to accrue points. Um, cool idea. I had a lot of people signed up a couple, I think a hundred thousand on, on the waiting list. I don't know if it's differentiated enough between a lot of these other cards that are out there as well, but it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a novel solution for, for a problem that, you know, we're pretty familiar with as consumers. Yeah, it's. I remember a couple of years ago, we when we back when I was working when I was working at Tearsheet, we we interviewed a company that was doing mm -hmm. for e-commerce basically. Like they were working with credit cards and and rewards, and it was after Durban. And then and the big thing that they were discussing also is their dream was to eventually provide, um, you know, rewards to debit card holders. That was like part of it, and it's something that's just like. It's pretty simple and it's a trend that's happening just because of the fact that millennials, like you're saying, like millennials are holding debit cards. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, it, it, this is a tr big trend that's happening. Whether or not individual players are going to be successful and how they can be successful is going to be interesting. Um, but it's definitely a big trend that, that I've been, for a couple of years, I know we've been seeing, you know, this whole trying to provide some sort of different, uh, reward system to either credit card users or now more importantly, debit card users because debit card users just didn't have it necessarily in the past. That's interesting. Uh, I think also from some of our conversations, the podcasts that we've done previously on Tearsheet and off, um, you know, a lot of fintechs have launched debit cards because they're, they're relatively easy to launch given sort of the infrastructure you described before, but um, we're seeing, we're gonna, there are definitely companies working on um, credit card as a service products as well. Um, and we'll start to see those bills roll out, I think, probably by the end of this year. Um, another story we had, I know, Josh, this is your favorite story, um, has to do with the color of, of cards. Oh, Card damn cards. it. <laughs> Josh is really, really keen on this idea that, like, you know, coloring on a, on a metal card is a differentiator. Um, so Revolut, um, Challenger Bank in the UK, um, on their business account, they had a, a metal card. It was a black metal card. Um, they launched four new colors this week. Uh, gold, rose gold, silver, and space gray. Cards look pretty cool, though. I just thought of, first of all, yeah, I can't even talk. <laughs> that this is this is freaking news. Like, oh my god, color of credit. Oh my god. Again, like, can, yeah. Can, can I just? We've been talking. Can I put my conspiracy hat on for a sure. second? Sure. Which I know I, I'll take it from you because I know you're the you're the keeper of the conspiracy hat. But <laughs> I vaguely remember that Revolut was ripping a little bit on Apple that uh, they were uh, oh, the stealing card their design the card stealing. Yeah. Rose gold is an iPhone color, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. So is this sort of like the middle finger back to Apple? Wow. Like, oh, we're going to steal all your iPhones? How about I have that? to admit, I did not see that perspective. That, How about wow. that? Wow. <laughs> I love that. If I that mean, is... The, the roosters come home to roost. The chickens if come that, yeah. If that is the reason, then I am so happy. Wow. But if it's not, then if that's the only reason, if that's the newsworthy part is like, hey, you know, new <laughs> new color on the credit card. Oh, my God. Don't, oh, can I, I didn't even go on Twitter just to see like people talking about how much they love the fact that they're going to order seven credit cards because they want every color in the rainbow of their iPhone. It'd be great also if they asked you to provide your picture of your iPhone and then they could match the uh, match the color to it. Is this true? Um, I also read about about the Apple card that the card changes colors depending upon what you're spending it on. Have you seen that? 
I think that's a moodering you're thinking of, Zach. I'm not sure <laughs> no, if that's a... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that part. So my, my only point there is that I think the, the physical aspect, the manifestation of a credit card, though it didn't matter for many years, is, 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 is a differentiator in today's market, whether you like it or not. Um, and there's some technology built into it. And I think um, whatever, whether it's, it's more representative of my personality and the colors I like or I have a cool picture on it or whatever it is, um, it is it is a way these companies are competing, a way they stand out from one another. So in all seriousness, it's just something that I, I hate. I hate it. I know it's important. I know, and I, this is sort of like social media, which I like am really bad. I just, I'm personally, I'm just really bad at social media because like I just can't deal with it. My my intern this summer is had Instagram and I don't have Instagram and I'm and she's like trying to get me to go on Instagram the entire summer and I'm like I just don't want to. I don't want I have enough stuff in my life that I have to deal with that I don't want to have to deal with an Instagram account. And like at the same time I totally that's why I probably shouldn't be head of product somewhere. You know what I mean? Like cuz I <laughs> no <laughs> sensitivity like, <laughs> to the end user, Josh. I just no. I <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I understand it's important but like I just I can't deal. I just can't deal with it. <laughs> uh, so by the way the, the apple card i I'm just checking while, while you were talking josh so i actually wasn't paying attention thanks for listening said. by the way yeah, exactly. appreciate, appreciate, um, appreciate the color that. of the card does change the gradient changes on your spending habits that's crazy um, that's okay that's cool that actually is really cool um, that's cool because there's some like, feedback loop there can it, can it turn to like defcon red if you're over your limit yes that's amazing yeah, that's really cool. Okay, um, now but it, but now part of the categorization um, is is based on those colors too. So if you if you buy food and drinks, it turns orange. You buy services, it's purple. Uh, I assume there's some DefCon red as well. If like, you're can, going I insta- can I Instagram? Can, inst- can you what? Can I Instagram the current status of my like check-in location? The current <laughs> color of my card. Yeah. <laughs> So they know everything about me. All right, all right. You don't like the card story. All right, we're moving on. We're moving I love on. the card story. It just drives me crazy. But and listen, like if Revolut, you know, Revolut, like who cares about assets under management? Who cares about, you know, churn? Who cares about the monthly active users? They have a rose gold colored credit card. Amazing. Let's, yeah, hell yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. We have uh, Starling Bank, um, UK Bank. A little bit different than some of its competitors. Um, definitely focused on um, a pan-European um, expansion, not necessarily like global reach. Uh, Ann Bot- Bowden was in the news, the founder this week, um, talking about the bank and um, says that you know she's nearing profitability. They're getting closer to $1 billion in, in deposits. And by closer to one billion, it's six hundred yeah, million. Cl- yeah, it's six hundred million cl- pounds. Six percent, six percent the way there. We're like yeah. getting, getting close. Well, if you round up, it's a billion. So, um, but <laughs> and 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 she said like and and this has been reiterated by a few of the uh, challenger banks that obviously they're spending a lot of money on acquisition right now, a lot of a lot of money on marketing. Um, that if they turn that down and turn that off, uh, they could get to profitability. Uh, Chris Brid at Chime said that as well this week in the Wall Street Journal. That's kind of a weird thing to say, right? Like, because they, they, they need to keep spending on marketing to be able to, to grow. Uh, if they turn marketing off, I, I, don't, I don't know what their organic growth would be for any of these companies. So, um, yeah, they may be able to get the profitability, but, but they're like kind of dead in the water. But anyway, uh, interesting to see that, you know, there, there's talk about profitability in the industry um, and that doesn't seem so elusive per se. Yeah. Okay. I got to calm down first from that whole me losing my mind. Um, but it, it reminds me, yeah, yourself. exactly. It reminds me of that, the Netflix and Blockbuster fight that they had 
it's from from back in the day when they both were just like giving away free stuff just to just to gain customers and like blockbuster knew that like if they stopped giving away free stuff that they're just they're mm. going to churn everybody out so there there's sort of like a a fear i think that you know if you if they decide to ramp down the marketing spend are they just going to bleed users um i think that's something that could be a real concern mm-hmm. at the same time i think there's a you know when looking at fintechs and especially these like digital banking or any type of banking you know trying to get b2c you know players it's always a question of when to make that strategic move to optimize i it's a really tough question and you've looked at like all the n26s and, and the revolutes of the world and all the digital all the digital banks and challengers and the real metrics that they've been looking at is acquisition like that's all they've been raising based on acquisition period like like we joke around like oh we want to see all these other numbers and like going back that's why the credit cards are important the colors of the credit card are important because it's all about acquisition at this point it's not about you know they're just trying to get as many people as possible and so when does it be at what and these are companies that are worth that have raised at multi-billion dollar valuations they're still talking about acquisition which is crazy um so the question is i don't know when they're going to move turn over to talk about profitability honestly they're they're saying they could i I could do a lot of different things every bank could you know amazon could yeah yeah, but do they ever have to get to that if if as long as they're private and they can continuously access capital markets um the story is is today all about growth i mean like I think if they were to go public and they had a, you know, they had shareholders, public shareholders that they had to respond to on a quarterly basis, we see that happening. All the public lenders, um, the Ondex, the the Green Skies, they're all getting slaughtered um, because they just growth slowed down and and their and profitability was elusive and they're just getting cream. Like I think Green Sky this week said it's putting itself up for sale, and that was the darling. That was one of the darling fintech lenders. Yeah, I, I I agree. They can't go. You can't go public without optimizing, and or you can try and see. You know, I mean, you sort of see what's going on with Uber right now. That's sort of like a nice example, and you know, and all these other companies that decide not that they're still dealing with growth. But like at a certain point, the private money is going to dry up, and then like there's places to go to like alternative theoretically. But like you know, something that we've been tracking for a while is something like the LTSE, the Long Term Stock Exchange, with mm-hmm. which Andreessen is backing and which uh, Eric Reese is working on. It's your favorite working thing. on my favorite thing. Still waiting yeah. for that, you know, for T-shirt. that response about that article, you know, that we we're going to write. <laughs> um, but uh, when it first came out, like five years ago, fifteen, right. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, but no, it's something. I, it's because I think it's cool. I think it's really cool because you know the moving away from quarterly earnings to annual earnings, but you know, and all that stuff. But at the same time, like you go to something like that, there's still going. Even though it's like not necessarily going to see the fluctuations in terms of the quarter, there's metrics in terms of you want this company to become a company and not just to become this growth machine. So it's, I think it's a real concern that, and even more so, like I said before, if the market starts drying up, if, if that, if there starts all of a sudden, you start getting rumors that like, well, these valuations are a little too high and uh, let's, everyone needs to take a breath here and step back and then you have a problem. And you have Uh, down rounds, you get, I mean, it's going to be really ugly. I, I would imagine, especially, especially, and then, then they try to optimize. Next thing you know, they're just, they're just hemorrhaging users, which is, right. the, and which I can't the imagine the, bi- the big banks are really have an appetite to buy these guys at, at high valuations. They, they, and why would they want to like, I even at a low valuation, why would yeah. they want to buy? Like that was again, going back to a previous podcast. Like I yeah. don't think a bank like is necessarily right. the target is the target acquirer. Like, I don't even like, it's going to be really interesting, but it's the quite, I, I think that, 
they're going to have a problem if they really try to optimize just because unless they've been building to be optimized from day one, um, you know, which I don't think many have, or at least fix the airplane while it's flying. Yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah. Build the basement when you have a 50 story building, you know, (laughs) So one last thing I want to cover before we before call um, this episode a wrap. Um, Fox got into the fintech business. Um, not a huge story, but I thought something, you know, I think Josh and I both found it sort of surprising. We didn't expect something like this. Um, but Fox uh, acquired a, an online uh, lending marketplace called Credible for about $400 million. Um, interesting, like where did this come from? Yeah. First of all, beginning with Australia, ending with Australia with uh, Bookends, you know, with Mr. Mr. Murdoch. Um, but I was like, whoa, like you, you mentioned that, like you looked at it and then you like sort of like that cartoon double take. Yeah. I rubbed um, my eyes, you know, cleared my glasses. Wasn't sure that fo- was it the same Fox that I was thinking of. And uh, it was. Yeah. And this, and this is really cool. We didn't think about these larger media companies that, Hey, maybe they become a challenger when we had our, you know, sleepers uh, is maybe Fox is a sleeper and they have a, they have a lot of money and they could buy, they could buy a, a, a you know, a, a challenger bank probably mm-hmm. pretty easily. Uh, if I can imagine. Uh, so I don't, I don't and, think into a challenger bank. I, see, I feel like a mortgage market uh, lending marketplace fits into sort of some of their other media properties more so than maybe owning the bank at the end of the day. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah. They, it's, they have so, I'm saying they could get, they can do whatever like, they want. where could they go? Yeah, they have yeah. such reach. Like, it's like a different, the level of reach that they have in terms of access and, and so much data that, that they have and so many relationships that they have that they could leverage all over the world and so right. many different It should be like a lead gen machine, right? Yeah, it's crazy. The, like, Everything will start to look like AOL again. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, they're, I can't imagine what their corporate structure looks like. It's probably well, like pages. Well, one you know. thing that's interesting is so Fox has um, spun off 21st Century Fox, which I think held a lot of the media assets, the movie rights and stuff like that. So they have, I think they have a lot of cash. And I think um, as a media, pure media business, like they're trying to figure out what to do with it. And it's very interesting that they came into FinTech. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's very interesting. And they, you know, maybe that ties into them. I know they spun, like you said, they spun off Fox, but you know, there, there is this whole moving away from sort of fintech. There is this sort of after Disney's coming out with their competitor Netflix, maybe Fox comes out with their own and then maybe you have a sort of fintech tying to there. I don't know, but there, there's just so you could, you could go in so many different directions because of the amount of just stuff that they have under their hood or relationships with. Um, right. So I think it's really, it's just, it, it opened my eyes to like, wow, like there yeah. could be some, like who would like what, who else could, could start getting into this theoretically. Hmm. I guess we'll, uh, we'll keep our eyes open for more investment and acquisition activity. Josh, thanks for, for bumming around with me again, this episode. <laughs> losing, it. losing, losing my mind for about 10 minutes in the middle there. But, uh, but yeah, the, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it's always fun to, to chat and hang out. And, uh, and especially I get to hear the piano at the end. That's what always makes me happy and nice end to my day. Always. That is the, that is the nice part of the ending the, uh, the episode. And I'm curious to know what color your Apple card is today, Josh. It is, it is uh, serene, whatever color serene is just use your imagination. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us again. See ya.